بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وافضل الصلاة وتم التسليم على أشرف الأنبياء سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون when the British dismantled the Ottoman Empire, one of the demands they made upon the new secular Turkish government was that they remove all the awqaf. What is the awqaf? The awqaf is the public endowments which the Ottomans had set up. For instance, in Damascus, you have a mountain known as Jablu Sheikh. Why is it called Jablu Sheikh? Because the mountain is white covered with snow, like the beard of an old man. So Jablu Sheikh means the mountain of an old man. The Ottomans made that mountain an endowment that the produce of the mountain, meaning the farms on the mountain, would be delivered to a Sheikh Muhyuddin ibn Arabi, rahimahullah, the area known as a Sheikh Muhyuddin, to the fuqara, the poor people of that area. So all the produce, the food, would go to that area and the poor people would eat. This is an example of public endowments, which is known as the Awqaf system. When people would go to Hajj, they would get free accommodation. The Ottomans would build uh, hospices, buildings for people, for the Hujjaj, the pilgrims, who were not able to afford rooms to go and live in those rooms for free. Unlike the current uh, system that we have with Western franchises opening up within the Haramain, the Ottomans, gave the wealth of the Muslims for the Muslims. Don't believe this uh, stuff regarding the Armenians. The Ottomans were not responsible for the Armenian slaughter. The people who were responsible for that were the very same people who dismantled the Ottoman Empire from within. You can read about uh, the movements within the Ottoman Empire that dismantled the Ottoman Empire from within. So the British and others, they made the Ottomans dismantled the Awqaf system. Why? So the Muslims in that region become dependent on the Western superpowers for everything that they need. So the current situation in the Muslim world, where you have the infrastructure of the Muslim world that was dismantled by the colonial powers, and then when the colonial powers left, they placed governments of such a nature that those governments that govern the Muslim world today do not have the original institutions that the Muslims had set up. Like in the Mughal Empire in India, the Mughals had institutions set up within the empire. How? Imagine to yourselves, an empire as large as the Mughal Empire must have had basic institutions and infrastructure within their country. Do not mention to me regarding the colonialists and their building of railway stations within India. The only reason they built railway stations so they could to move their armies up and down India. This was the reason, not for the benefit of the people. Otherwise, three million uh, Bengal people would not have died due to famine. They did not transport food up and down India. They built those railway stations in order to transport arms to keep people at bay. Now, this is why... People like Fazl-e-Haq, Khayr Abadi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, 
rebelled against the British in 1857. How many of you have heard of Fazl Haq Khairabadi? Place your hands up. Majority of people here are from modern day Pakistan, India, and Bangladesh. Is this not true? But yet you are unfamiliar with Fazl Haq Khairabadi, Rahimullah, the person who rebelled against the British colonialist powers in 1857 was sentenced. Uh, to the Andaman Islands, which was known as Kalapani. Why? Because the Andaman Islands were closed off by water. And he passed away on the Andaman Islands thereafter, in, I think in 1861. The person who refuted Ismail al-Dahlawi. Now, it's easy refuting Ismail al-Dahlawi for us today, but it's difficult to speak up regarding those colonial powers. If we are to follow the way of Fazlul Haq Khairabadi rahimahullah ta'ala, we should not take a double standard policy that we only target soft targets. When I attended the conference, people said to me, why don't you mention not Khwan or Peers? Meaning soft targets. Why? Because if I refute uh, an overweight Khan who comes and does his nath and goes home, there will be no consequences. But when you are critical of something which affects all Muslims, then there are after effects. If you refute Ismail Dahlwi, it's very simple. But what we need to tackle is the Mir Jafar of today. Who was Mir Jafar? How many of you have heard of Mir Jafar? How many of you have heard of Tipu Sultan? Tipu Sultan was the one who fought the British colonialists. He was martyred, rahimahullah ta'ala. But the one who traded, the one who showed treachery to Tipu Sultan, rahimahullah, his name was Mir Jafar, a Rafadi, a Twelver. And he was the traitor who had Tipu Sultan, rahimahullah, martyred. After he was martyred, the British colonized India, the rest of India that was left, and the infrastructure of the Mughal Empire was destroyed. So Muslims, today you, you discuss identity crisis. Why did your gra grandparents need to leave the mountains of Kashmir, the beauty of Kashmir, to come to mills and work in mills? Why did they need to do that? Because the country that you lived in was pillaged and raped, by the very same people. And they took the wealth from those countries and brought the wealth here. So people were forced to migrate. So do not mention this great favor that we live in this country and this is a great favor for us. No. Go back in history and identify yourselves. That who are we? What is our identity? Our identity is Islam. And the infrastructure of Islam which ruled the Muslim world, yes, there were empires with problems. But the Muslim world had wealth. The Muslim world was successful until the pillaging came and the colonialists de deconstructed those institutions within the Muslim world. And today we see the state of our countries. When the colonialists left India, the modern day Pakistani army, how could a country be 
formed and very quickly, within a short period of time, have an army. Think to yourselves, the very army of Pakistan that we see today is the leftover remains of the British colonialist army. This is why when you go up the ranks of the Pakistani army, you have generals that drink alcohol, you have generals that hang people like Mumtaz Qadri, you have generals that have secular views away from Islam. Why do we have that? Because the system that was left behind by the colonial powers was the system that they wanted the Muslims to be governed by. Now going back to the original point that the Awqaf system was removed. Why was the Awqaf system removed? That Muslims become dependent upon Western corporations. This is why in Mecca al-Mukarramah and al-Madinatul Munawwara today, everywhere you go, you have McDonald's, KFC, the Hilton Hotel. Why do the Muslims not have their own infrastructure where they have their own hotels, their own takeaways and restaurants? Why do they have to depend upon Western uh, corporations? This is because of the colonial period which people do not study. Muslims do not read about what actually occurred in uh, Mughal India, what occurred with the Ottomans, what happened after the colonialists left those lands. And this is why today Muslims, especially within the UK, but not only in the UK, in other places like in Pakistan as well, they suffer from inferiority, an inferiority complex, they suffer from an identity crisis. They do not know how to identify themselves. They have been divided, divided into nation states, that each nation has been given a flag by, by the colonialist powers. These flags did not exist prior to that. Each nation has been given flags, and now Muslims here have been forced to make a choice between British and Muslim. When the very question is flawed, how is the question flawed? The question is flawed is because Islam is a religion that goes beyond borders. British is limited to an, an island. And tomorrow British identity can be finished if, if we have the devolution of Scotland and then Wales asks for independence and then Northern Ireland is done away with. Britain will no longer exist. But even when Britain is finished, Islam will exist. Islam will remain. Now, in the same way, you have people who go from one extreme to another, like Ed Hussein, the the, I think the founder of Quilliam. What are these organizations like Quilliam? These people went from one extreme in believing in an extremist ideology, but then they go to the other extreme where they object to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, like Ed Hussein objected to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on national TV, objecting to the marriage of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, coming out with disbelief kufr. This is why I say it is easy to, ref to have refutations within Muslims. Why? Because we know there will be no blowback. But how many of our ulama are dealing with the EDL? How many of our ulama are dealing with Tommy Robinson? Tommy Robinson has insulted the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How many of us have challenged him to a debate on live television? How many of us have taken on this menace that has sprung up in our society where Muslims 
are being made confused regarding their identity, we should make it very clear that Muslims are global citizens. They may carry certain passports. Those passports are only for residing in a country from going across borders to travel from one country to another. But our religion is Islam. Our identity is Muslim. And we will not change this identity due to politics. Today I was discussing with someone, they said, they mentioned 9-11, I said over 16 years have passed, nearly two decades. When 9-11 happened, so many Muslims were frightened as to what will occur for the Muslim world. And we saw the pillaging of Iraq, the pillaging of Afghanistan. Many peers and Molvis today cry regarding the youth becoming Wahhabis. But at the same time, they take funding from prevent schemes. They take funding from anti-terrorism schemes and they do not speak regarding foreign policy. They do not raise a voice regarding foreign policy. They do not tell our youth that joining the British army is impermissible haram. Joining the British army, if you look at most young Muslims who joined the British army, you will find that when they join the army, they become atheists. So which scholar, which mufti, from those who call themselves Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah Barelwi, which of our muftis have given a fatwa in this country that it's, it is impermissible to join the British Army? It is easy to refute uh, Wahhabis and the Obandis and Shia amongst ourselves. Let me tell you something. See the Ayman Abdul Qadir, who was a person who accepted Islam and was Muslim for over 40 years, mentioned to me that when he went to live in Palestine, he met a Christian priest, an English Christian priest. He said to the English priest, you have lived in Palestine for a long time. Have you made Muslims into Christians? He said, we do not go to Palestine to make Muslims into Christians. We know we are unable to do that. We go to Palestine to give the Muslims hammers. We go to Palestine to give the Muslims Hammers. What did he mean by we go to give them hammers to fight amongst themselves? So how many of us have objected to the British government in this country that they support the Qadiani religion? This British government supports Qadianism and the promotion of Qadianism amongst Muslims. In fact, the very inception of Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Qadiani was done by the British. So how can you say to me that if we do not take prevent funding, if we do not take the government funding, then the Wahhabis will take it? What kind of policy is this? This is double standards. In fact, by doing this, you are undermining Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah. You are undermining the credibility of Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah. And by not giving fatwa on the issues that are contemporary to us, like telling people that young Muslims, it is impermissible for you to join the British Army. One, you, one youth in, in Birmingham who joined the British Army and left Islam, he says he went to the local Imam who was a Sunni Imam and he asked him, is it permissible for me to join? The, the scholar said, yes, it's permissible. After joining the British Army, he left Islam. Today he's an open atheist. But there are so many youth who have joined the British Army. Once they leave the army, they become disbelievers. 
But how many of our scholars have raised their voice regarding these type of issues? It's easy going to parliament and doing milad with David Cameron and now the current uh, prime minister, but it is difficult to do kalimatul haqqi inda sultanin jair, to speak the truthful word in front. I'm not against people going to parliament, but when you go to parliament, speak regarding these issues. Mention to them their jair. What is jair? Tyranny. The tyranny that they have caused in Afghanistan, the tyranny that they have caused in Iraq. When you go to parliament and you do milad and you cut these cakes, when you cut the cakes and you give these cakes to, for them to eat, tell them what, how much blood they have shed in Kabul, that in Kabul today there are families of women, who, seven women in one household, there are no men to support them. There are no men to support them. Where has the money of Afghanistan gone? Where has the money of Iraq gone? So at the same time, Muslims are undermined in this country that when we have a Muslim who commits a crime, every Muslim is accused of that crime. Like you had the pedophile gangs in Radharam, these taxi drivers committed offenses, but the way it was reported in the media was that this was a crime committed by Muslims. But when you have the, a similar kind of crime committed by people in parliament, you have MPs who are pedophiles, you have uh, now in the FA, the Football Association, you have pedophiles. You have uh, pedophiles amongst white people as well. Are the entire white population incriminated for those offenses in the way that the Muslims are made to feel guilty? This is an identity crisis. And the result of all of this is that you have people like Tommy Robinson, you have people in the EDL, you have people like Ed Hussein, and many others, so many others, who come out with views that are unacceptable, like celebrating Christmas in a masjid of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. How many of our ulama have spoken up against this? That there are Sunni people, that, who people who claim to profess Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, who will say, Diobandis are kafir, Shia are kafir, Wahhabis are kafir. The same individual will do uh, Christmas in a masjid. So you are very quick to use the hammers against other groups, but when it comes to speak on real issues, you become sellouts and Uncle Toms. This is the situation that we are facing, and this is some of uh, the things that we need to tackle. Remember, it's easy uh, attacking a Nathwan with uh, because they're soft targets. I call these soft targets. It's even easy attacking a Peer, because a Peer, at least he prays his five daily prayers, and he makes his murids uh, pray. Someone asked, Sheikh Asrar uh, refutes Sufis, but yet he sits with Sufis. I said to him, he doesn't realize that I am from the Sufis. So a, a person starts mentioning the criticism of himself first and of his own community. You do not start with criticism of those outside. Let's start revamping our own community. Let's reform and revive the way of the Salaf amongst our community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to do so and make these conferences successful.